Good morning. I'm very thankful today. I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak to you. I'm thankful for the worship and the spirit we feel in here this morning. I always gets me choked up, and then my nose starts running because of the doggone pollen outside. It's awful. I hope this isn't going to be a sniff fest, but uh, um, I'm very thankful for that. I'm also thankful for uh, what happened here last week. And I wanted us, before we did anything else, to have an opportunity to celebrate that. Uh, first off, we had over 700 people here last Sunday. And uh, I was very excited about that. Thank you for inviting and bringing people here. I'm very excited. Uh, we had 129 kids. Um, it was unbelievable back there. I think, that's, I think that's the most kids we've ever had on a Sunday morning. And you could tell it when you saw the servers after. They looked pitiful. Uh, especially the first service, they looked, uh, they looked wore out. Uh, no... Uh, more than anything, though, I'm thankful because, uh, you know, when we talk about what we want to accomplish in the services, obviously a lot of, you know, a lot of planning, a lot of details and everything goes into what we do. And what we really wanted to do on Easter Sunday was we wanted to glorify God and we wanted to celebrate Jesus. That was, that was kind of our theme of what we wanted to do, and I think we did that. And uh, the best part is, is, is we did that, and uh, we know several asked Christ in their life for the first time. And so we want to celebrate that, too. Uh, We've had, a op- we've had the opportunity to talk to a few of them over the course of the week and stuff. That's been great because they reached out. And I just wanted to kind of in light of that encourage some of you. If, if you're here and you've made a decision either last Sunday or you've made a decision recently and, and we don't know who you are and we haven't talked to you, I want to encourage you to do something. Reach out to us. Connect with us because we would love to talk to you. Grab one of us on staff. You can stop by the Connection Center. Just drop your name basically there and we'll give you a call or we'll reach out to you. But we would love to talk to you about your next steps. We would love to help you along this journey. But the only way we can do that is if we know you, right? And so I just want to encourage you to do that, um, you know, because there's a lot of things. We've got baptism coming up. We'd love to talk to you about that. Um, also, though, if you are a brand new Christian, if you just recently uh, are saved, uh, I want to, I don't know, I, in the first service I said apologize. That's not really it, because I really don't feel bad about what's about to happen. I, uh, I get the opportunity every once in a while to do a little two-part series, and uh, this morning, and you know, after a service like Easter, you know, you want to come back with something, you know, easy and exciting, and uh, that's not going to happen. And, uh, and so, but this is the thing, like, y'all, uh, do y'all like John Wayne? Okay, so three of you like John Wayne. All right, great. No, listen, I love John Wayne, okay? Y'all don't know this, John Wayne's been here. One of my favorite movies is, uh, is uh, Hondo, and in that movie, John Wayne has this little chocolate dog dog that goes with me everywhere. So if you ever see me and you see I'm walking around with this chocolate dog that goes with me literally everywhere, the reason is because when I was a kid, I watched this movie called Hondo with John Wayne in it. All right. And so there's a scene in this movie though, and it's where uh, John Wayne walks up and there's this kid fishing in a river. And he walks up and he says, are you having any luck? And the little kid goes, well, uh, no, I haven't caught a fish. And he goes, well, that's because the fish can see your shadow. You got the sun behind you, son. You need to be fishing from that bank over there. And a little kid, he goes, he goes well, I, but I can't swim. He goes, you can't what? And he said, I can't swim. So Hondo reaches down, he grabs the fishing pole, throws it off, grabs him by the trousers and just whoop, just throws him in the middle of this river. Well, of course, you know, you know, John Wayne's killing a child. That's why I like this movie. No, listen. So, you know, the boy's like, he's like, just reach out in front of you. Grab a handful of water, pull it back. Like, you know, John Wayne's coaching this kid on how to swim. So all of a sudden, the mom comes running up, and she's like, hey, he can't swim. He goes, well, it looks like he's learning. Um, this, this is, that might be what this feels like, okay? Uh, not because it's complicated, not because, uh, but what we're going to talk about is, is going to be a little bit challenging, probably. 
And, uh, but I just want to encourage you. It's actually kind of funny because only in this movie, the woman said, or right there, the woman standing there, and she goes, he said, well, if you're worried about him, go get him. And she said, well, I can't swim either. And John Lane goes, looks at her, and she takes off running, you know. That's how the, that's how the movies did it back in the day. But I am very excited. The series is called uh, Wait For It. That's what it's called. And uh, that's the name of it. And uh, so if you will, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, the scripture is going to be on the screen. And I'm going to read through it today. I like to, a lot of times I like to tell a story, but today we're going to read through it because I just think it's just the best way to go about telling the story. Uh, so here we go. Uh, verse 1, chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 2, this, Martha, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured per- perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Okay, real quick, stop with me, because let me explain to you what's happening right here. Uh, God, in his wisdom, wanted to make sure that you knew who this was, and so I want to make sure that you know who Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is as well. Here's, the, here's a little bit of background. In the scheme of Jesus' relationships, he had his mother and father. Then he had his friends, the disciples, right, who traveled around with him that he was teaching, and three of which were kind of the most prominent, Peter, James, and John. They're in more stories than anybody else, uh, any of the other disciples. And then there was another group of inner circle, his friends. And can anybody guess three names that you would see in that circle? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Okay, listen, you got to understand this. These are some of his closest friends, and and God wants to make sure that we understand that in his word right here. These are some of his closest friends. At some point, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had became acquainted with Jesus. And it's obvious from the text and of the other stories, they're in the Bible several times uh, in stories, that they must have hit it off. Because they ended up, they spent a lot of time together. And they became friends. It says that we, we learned that, uh, that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that they listened to Jesus teach, that they served alongside of him, helping people. As a matter of fact, it's in the Bible that, it, that Jesus had a standing invitation to stay at their house. Now, if you, have you ever issued anyone in your life a standing invitation to stay anytime you want? This is yours. You're pretty close to that person, right? You're pretty close. So that's a, so, and actually, I was, talk, I was talking to Mark Bagel uh, just the other day, and we were talking. He asked me, he said, what are you preaching Sunday? And I was telling him, and he said that, he said, man, he said, do you know where Jesus was before the crucifixion? I just taught this. Two weeks ago, when I did the triumphant entry in Jerusalem, and I didn't even pay it any attention, but can anybody guess what town Jesus went to and visited before he was crucified, before he went in Jerusalem? Bethany. You know why? I think because he wanted to be with friends. I think he wanted to be with friends before he faced what he faced. So that's how close they are. So read along with me in verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Further evidence. How did, how did Jesus feel about Lazarus according to their perception? What was their perception of the way Jesus felt about Lazarus? He loved him. This was his friend. This was, in the Bible says, his your dear friend in some translations. This is, this, he and Lazarus were close. They were best buds. They were bros. Okay? That's, y'all could have laughed at that. It would have been fine. No problem. It was obvious to the sisters that Jesus loved Lazarus. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, so Jesus hears the news. The messenger gets there. The messenger says, hey, the one you love is sick. And Jesus hears the news. When he heard it, Jesus stood up and he said, the sickness, this, I'm sorry, this sickness will not end in death. Now, that's good, right? Jesus just made a proclamation. Basically, if Jesus said it, 
It's the word, right? It's the promise. This sickness will not end in death. Whenever Jesus makes a promise, that's a good thing. You can stamp on it. You can, you can, I mean, it's going to happen. Jesus continues, no, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Did you catch it? This is one of the few times in the Bible where Jesus there again, he, he implies to everyone, he, he's talking about himself. Son of God. That's good, right? Everything's going good. Verse 5, read with me. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? Hang on a second. Hang on, did I read that wrong? Did y'all read that? Okay, thanks. Thanks. Now, Jesus loved Martha and, Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What just happened? Can y'all just make sure we read that together right there? So Jesus loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus. But then he, he found out he was sick and he stayed two more days. That'd kind of shock you, won't it? Imagine being the messenger. You guys know that I love to pick random people in the story and just put myself in their shoes for a second. Imagine being the messenger. Okay, so I don't know whether the messenger was a close personal friend of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I don't know if he worked for him, whatever. But obviously, I mean, this is somebody that they trusted. This is somebody. And can you just put yourself in, in their shoes? You're on this mission, right? They sent you on this mission. Lazarus is sick, somebody you probably care about. Lazarus is sick, and so you're going, man, I'm going to get Jesus. How exciting is this? I'm going to get him. And so you, when I get there, all right, I'm going to practice what I'm going to say. Lord, the one you love is sick. From Mary and Martha, request that you come help him. Come heal him. I can just see the messenger just practicing all the way there. And he gets there, right? He gets there. He finds Jesus. And he goes, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Mary and Martha need you. They request that you come back and heal him. Then Jesus stands, right? And he says, this sickness will not end in death. And you go, that's right, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jesus. Yes, and he goes, this is for the glory of God. And you go, that's right. That's right, Jesus. Glory of God. And then Jesus says, all right, well, I'm going to go get some shut-eye. I'll see you later. You go, oh, well, uh, you want me to, uh, so should we, I don't know where you, are you going? Okay, so what do you do? Well, I should I, should I guess I should just go? I should just, I should just go? Or right, I'll go. I'll go. You come? I'll go. If you were the messenger, you thought you were about to be the hero. And real quick, you just went to, I have no clue what's happening right now. What are you going to say to him when you get back? Well, what did you do? Well, I told him exactly what you said, exactly like you. I was very passionate. I said it just like you asked me to say it. And what did he do? Nothing. I mean, he said, he said it's not going to end in death. What are you going to do? Well, did he start packing? Well, no. Did he give the disciples orders to start getting stuff together to come? No. What did he do? He didn't do a thing. Do you think he was coming? I don't think so. This is something. A couple of weeks ago when I read this story... 
I have this bad tendency sometimes that when I decide, okay, I'm going to go, I'm in the Bible and I'm doing my reading, I go, well, I'm going to read this and I just read the whole story and, and I just get through the whole thing and I kind of, I try to, I try to look at the whole story and you know what I mean and get what I think God's telling to me. Well, this, in this case, when I read the story the other day, I just stopped right here and I said, man, I can't go any farther. I've got to stop right here because this is a lesson that they have to see. This is a lesson I have to see. This is a lesson that every single Christian has to know. If you're going to proceed down the path of a relationship with Jesus, this is something that you have to know. Would you like to know what the, what the lesson is? Uh, would you like to know what the lesson is? Jesus will delay. Jesus will delay. It's not unusual. It's not uncommon. It is not rare that Jesus delay responding to your request. Mary and Martha made a request of Jesus. Listen to me. And Jesus chose not to respond. There is no mention of a response. There was no return letter, no return message. The request they made was, Jesus, can you please help? I need your assistance. Please come and heal our brother. And Jesus didn't say a thing about coming. Jesus didn't say, I'm on my way. He didn't say, be there shortly. He didn't respond. It stings, doesn't it? Are y'all still with me? Jesus will delay. Jesus will delay acting on your behalf. You got to see this. Jesus, he didn't make one move towards Bethany. You listening? He didn't take one step towards Bethany. He didn't spend those two days packing, trying to get ready to go. Jesus was going for two days. As we read on in the story, I'm sure they were panicking. Lazarus' condition can obviously continue to worsen. And we find out in just a few verses that Lazarus indeed died. And you go, now wait a second, Tim. Hold up. Hold the phone, Tim. You said that Jesus made a proclamation. You, you said that Jesus said, which is a promise, Lazarus, this sickness will not end in death. That's what you said. Jesus will delay responding to your request. He will delay acting on your behalf, and he will delay fulfilling a promise are you hearing me is that you are you hearing me is this resonating with you a little bit this is beginning to sound familiar you know this is not the only time in the Bible where we see Jesus delay it's not the only time 
John chapter 5, we find a man who has, who has traveled to a pool for 38 years wanting to be healed, a lame man. He's gotten to a pool for 38 years and laid beside, wanting to be healed for 38 years. This is not uncommon. This is not rare. This is not unusual. Jesus is delayed. In the Psalms, we read about David. You know what David said? David said, my throat has grown hoarse from calling out to you. David said, my eyes have dried. I've cried so much. Listen to this. Waiting on you to act on my behalf. That's what David said. Jesus will delay. Can I tell you all a personal story? I, uh, I asked permission to tell this story. And uh, so in my late teenage years and in the uh, young adulthood, I guess, it took me a little longer to get to adulthood than most people, but... Um, something happened in my family and, and I think it happens in a lot of families and it happens between a lot of fathers and sons uh, my relationship with my dad began to, te- to deteriorate and um, the reasons really aren't important the history and all that junk it doesn't matter um, but I will tell you that it was something that just happened over a long period of time and at some point, I was, uh, you know, in my, in my walk with Christ, as I was following him, it, it became something that when I looked at it, and I looked at this portion of my life and this relationship that I knew that it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't what God wanted for me or, or my dad or, or anything. It, was, it just wasn't what God would want. It wasn't what, I, he, it wasn't what he would want our relationship to be. It had literally, I mean, it had just dwindled, just was dying. And so I knew it wasn't what God wanted, and so it became something I began to pray about. And so I would pray, and um, I remember praying a lot of different things. Um, I remember praying, you know, general stuff, like, God, I, you know, I'd love for you to repair my relationship with my father. Um, I would love for that to happen. And I remember praying, uh, you know, God, I want, I want to forgive. You know, I want to forgive him. I want you to build forgiveness in me. And, and I want him to forgive me. And, and um, I remember praying, I want to understand. You know, I want clarity. I want to I understand what we've been through and what's happened. And, and uh, I remember praying, you know, that uh, we would want to be together. You know, that we would want to spend time together. That we would want to have a relationship. That he would, I remember praying, God, that you would create a desire, uh, a desire in me for that. Can I tell you what happened? The opposite. Years of praying. I don't know how many times I prayed stuff. I don't know how many times it came to my mind over years. But when I prayed for the relationship to be repaired, instead of what I found was it got worse. It got uglier. 
when I prayed for forgiveness, instead what I found was I became more bitter. When I prayed for clarity and understanding, what I found was instead of, of that, what I got was more confused and more frustrated and more lost. Are you hearing me? When I pray that we would want to be together, we only became more distant. This became something that, I'll be honest with you, it became something in my life that affected me on so many levels. It, was, it truly is unbelievable. It affected what kind of day I had. If it was something I thought about, it could make my day bad pretty quickly. It affected the relationships I had with other people. How close I allowed them to be. What I did. It affected how I viewed myself. How valuable I felt. And year after year and prayer after prayer, it was like before I knew it, the relationship was pretty much dead. I had gotten to a place where I was done. I had prayed and Jesus had delayed. Is that you? Does that sound familiar to you? I know there are people in here this morning, and I'm telling you, I know it. This sounds familiar. Some of you have been praying for a relationship that is in shambles or worse, is dead. Some of you have been praying for your health or the health of a loved one. Some of you have been praying over a big decision that will greatly affect your life and your family. Some of you have been praying over a problem that you have, and if God doesn't do something soon, it's going to be off. Some of you have been praying for years, and you've heard nothing just like me. Some of you have been praying hundreds of prayers, and you've seen no change. Just like I had. In fact, if you have seen any movement at all, most likely that movement has been backwards. The situation has worsened. The circumstances are more bleak today than they were the day you started praying. Is that you? Does this sound familiar to you? If it's you, I have something I want to tell you. I have something I would like for you to know. Are you interested? Delay is not denial. Are you listening to me? Delay is not denial. You see, we have a tendency to begin believing that because Jesus is delaying, that that must mean that this is something he just doesn't want for us, whatever it is we've been praying for. 
All of a sudden, we find ourselves believing, well, I guess that's just not for me. I guess Jesus, Jesus doesn't want me to have this. I guess Jesus isn't going to fulfill his promise to me. He must not want me to be happy. He must not want me to be well. He must not want me to have that relationship that I've always wanted with my spouse or my kids. He doesn't want me to get through this problem. I guess this is just a thorn I'm going to have to bear. I guess this is just something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. Is that something that you have ever said? Is that you? We have a real tendency to start believing that the delay is a no. And here's the truth. A delay is not no. A delay is not yet. I want to tell you right now, if there's something you've been praying for, and you've prayed it over and over and over, and you haven't heard a thing, God hasn't, he hasn't told you no. You've seen no change in it. I'm going to tell you, there's a good chance that you're experiencing a delay, not a denial. Read verse 14 with me. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I love this man because this is Jesus having to explain to his disciples, which are just a constant reminder that Jesus loves average people, that you don't have to be a scholar. But he's explained to me. He said, guys, listen, Lazarus is dead And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But read this. But let us go to who? Somebody tell me. Let us go to who? What? But he's dead. This is important, man. This one word is important. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to Mary and Martha so that I can console them, so that we can grieve together, so that we can be sad together. Who is he going to? He's going to him. Because delay is not denial. It was a delay, not denial. Jesus is coming. He is in route. And things are about to get crazy. It was a delay in the story in the man in John chapter 5. It was a delay. It was a 38 year long. I'm sure it was horrible. It was a delay. For David in that cave, I'm sure the years that he spent in that cave, it was a delay. For Lazarus, it was a delay. And for me, it was a delay. And there's a good chance that what you're facing is also a delay. So what should we do? What should we do with the knowledge That Jesus will delay. But delay is not a denial. What should we do with that? I'll tell you, Jesus told his disciples what to do. And that's exactly what I'm going to tell you to do. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a story. And I encourage you to go read it. It's a great story. But in Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a story. And I want to read you. The first verse describes what it's about. He says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray. And what does it say? And never give up. You know what he told his boys? He said, listen, some things are going to take time. But there's something you desire. And you know it's something we won't feel, I won't feel. 
That's good. He said, you pray and you don't ever give up. Not ever. Don't give up. That's what we should do. Jesus will delay, but delay is not denial. So we should never give up. You know why? Because it isn't over until Jesus says it's over. Sorry, Ronnie opened the door for me last week. It ain't over until Jesus says it's over. If you will, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. I want to take an opportunity right here to pray. We got time, man, so don't be worried about time. I want to take an opportunity right here to talk to you. Because I know, man, there's a lot of people in this, in this service right here, and this story resonated with you. Because there is something in your life, there is something you've been dealing with, there's something that you are facing. And man, you have prayed over it and prayed over it and prayed over it until you are just, you are exhausted. I want to ask you something. Do you want it? Is it something God wants for you? God wants you to have that relationship that you desire. God wants to see you build up. God wants to see you joyful. God wants to see you well. I'm telling you, if there's something you've been praying for, man, I'm telling you, you have just prayed a thousand times for it, but you haven't heard a word from him. You haven't seen a move from him. You haven't seen a change. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you, to, I'm going to give you the opportunity right here at this altar up here. You have the opportunity right now to come up and pray up here if you want to. I want to encourage you to do that. Man, I know you're here. He knows you're here. I want to encourage you. You can come up here and pray, but I don't want you to come up here alone. If you're their friend and you sense them get up, I want to encourage you to get up too and go with them and pray with them. Don't let people pray up here alone. I want to say this to you. I know it's confusing. I know it's hard. I know it hurts like crazy. But we're supposed to never give up. Jesus looked at him. He said, don't you dare give up. You keep praying your heart, son. You keep praying for what it is you want. I tell you, there's some people out here that I know, I know this is true, man. There's some of you here. You've already stopped. 
there was something that you were praying for, there was something you desired, there was something you knew, you knew God wanted for you and a promise he made you or whatever, and I'm telling you, you stopped praying for it. You just, you just put your hands up and you just said, man, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I got nothing left. I got no prayers left in me. Your throat is hoarse from calling out to God. Your eyes have dried from the tears you've cried. I want to tell you, you've stopped. I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to pick it back up. I want you to get back on your knees where you're supposed to be. too big of a chance to take if you're not sure if it's delay if it's just delay man get back up here and pray this altar is open to you too I'm telling you the Bible says it and I'm telling you it is the truth Jesus said ask 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 and you will be answered get that answer you're looking for seek seek him seek him every day and you will find you will find what you need knock and knock over and over and over and beat on that door until he answers that's what he says I want to pray for you Father for every single person that's up here at this altar and all those that are in their seats, God, I just want to pray this, man. Hear them. Hear their prayer. Hear what they're saying. God, I know. I know it hurts. I know the toughest place I've ever been, the toughest place I've ever been was when I didn't have anything to do and there was nothing that I could do to make it happen or get it fixed or, or whatever. There was nothing I could do. All I could do was pray and it just seemed like you didn't hear. You never sent word. It's the toughest place I've ever been. I know it's tough for them. I know it's tough for those that even aren't up here. But God, I know this. Pray in their cases that you will come soon, that you will answer them. You will show them what they need. I believe with all my heart, Joe. I believe it's just a matter of time for you here. And I know it's not over until you say it's over. one more thing I want to say to you before I let you leave today this is the thing I'm not done with the story there's more to tell in this story you know we're going to find out we're going to find out that there is purpose in the delay there is a reason for the delay and I'm going to talk to you
to you about that next week. Are you going to be here? Are you going to be here? I want you to be here. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the beautiful weather. And we will see you again next week. Thank you.